Blog Talk Radio. Come get you live. It is Buzzworthy Radio, where you can get the latest buzz on all your favorite shows and stars. Buzzworthy starts now. Wow. First of all, you didn't hear, like, before we got on the air, that Kim Zimmer said I had the most beautiful face. So I think think I'm in love. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to Buzzworthy Radio on this Monday, August 1st. I still can't believe it's the first day of August. 2011, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on blogtalkradio.com and on buzzwordyradio.net. I'm your host, Navelle J. Lee, and let me tell you, I, I am so excited to have on our guest today. This is the first time she's been on this show. Uh, you know, so many people may have seen her on The Doctors when she took over the role from Captain Turner. Some people may have saw her on her first stint from One Life to Live as Echo Decent Boy. But I think a lot of you might remember her as Reva Shane Lewis from CBS Times, The Guiding Light, and somehow she was able to make this, quote, a household phenomenon. that on television and loved every minute of it. <laughs> From then on, she became a fan favorite and winning many daytime Emmys to boot. She's been presumed dead twice. <laughs> she was in a Goshen community. She came back as a ghost. Uh, she was cloned. She was a former princess of San Cristobal. She traveled through time through a painting. She killed her sister's husband, even though it was his wishes. She still killed him. <laughs> she was stalked by one of the richest residents in Springfield. Yes, she was stalked, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, she had some sort of psychic abilities. And, and she battled cancer and survived. I, I'm sure I left a lot of things out. I know I did. I know I left a lot of things out because, trust me, there's a lot more to read to Shane than just those things. Kim Zimmer is on the phone with us this morning. How are you, my dear? I am good. You you mentioned some things that I've even forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess there's certain stories that you totally wipe out of your memory block, you know? <laughs> is, is, it, is it like those stories where it's like... Um, I don't want to remember those stories. Well, it's that, or it's, or it's, it's just that they're like you said. There's just so many things that you for, you forget. You know, I always like to say that I time traveled through Crystal Chappelle's beautiful bosom. Oh well, how can you argue with that? <laughs> I mean, look, this is coming from the guy that basically flat out called her delicious on air. So I, I can pretty much say you can travel through Crystal Chappelle's right. bosom all you want. <laughs> you only wish. I, trust me, I do. <laughs> you wrote, and I, I love the title of the book. I ordered the book. It's coming to my house this week. I can't wait. I'm just saying three deaths, seven husbands, and a clone. My life is a daytime diva. I love, first of all, I love the title of it. Thank <laughs> you. It was kind of a protection factor, you know, that whatever I'm saying, it's just me saying it, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. 
You have you had an ex- like we said you had an extensive, extensive daytime history from the doctors to One Light to Live the first time, and then heading over to Guiding Light, where you basically played the role of Reva Shane for so many years, over twenty years. Right. And you you know I I never knew who she was until this is this is one of the stories I love to tell about Reva. I had this tape in my house, and my my sister used it to tape the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer thing. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't realize there was more on the tape after it was over. So I get to the end of it, and I'm seeing this 1987 Guiding Light episode in its original quality on my tape right now. And I'm looking at this woman. I'm going like, oh, my God, who is this woman right now? And my mom's <laughs> telling me, oh, that's Reva. Uh, yeah, you don't, you don't want to pay any attention to her. <laughs> You don't want to learn anything from her. She's a bad girl. <laughs> she, was, she was a, well, okay. Let, let, let's describe Reva. You describe Reva in your first words before I describe Reva in my words. <laughs> oh, well, you know, in the I used to say she was a hooker with a heart of gold, but she really wasn't a hooker because she uh, basically kept all of her dalliances in one family, you know, of course, the Lewis family. And, uh and it's just that was her obsession were the Lewis men, and she, she married all of them except I kept, you know, when Brian Buffington was playing the role of Bill, little Bill Lewis, and he was little at the time, I used to always kid around with him and say, you know, you're the only Lewis man I've never had, and I'm just waiting for you to turn 21 oh my <laughs> or 18, as the case may be, and it would freak him out as well as his mother. You know, his mother would be like, you can't talk to him like that. <laughs> on the show, he could easily have one with you. I'm just saying. Exactly. Exactly. Well, now it, you know, then it became Danny Cosgrove, and they had him so busy with all the other, other women on the show that I didn't even stand a chance with him. No, I think I think he would pretty much walk by and with like, whatever. Well, we used, to, we used to toy with, you know, the ideas of being in party scenes and start winking at each other, which would really make the fans go crazy. They'd be like, oh my gosh, she's not going to do that. Oh no, she's not. <laughs> You have really been the epitome of a cougar. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a cougar. I'm right up there with the best of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Demi Moore walked out. Mm. I, mean, seriously, I mean, yeah, she had. She pretty much had all the flings with the Lewis Mannix, that the Lewis boy, the, the boys, of course, you know, Billy, Billy Lewis, Josh Lewis, HB, and then Kyle Sandin. Who thought he was a Lewis. Did he? I, see, this is what yeah. I didn't know. I did not no, know he, that. No, he thought H.B. was his father until he found out that uh, it was the uh, cardinal from from somewhere, some pious man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I did not Okay, I did not know that. I, I started, I looked at this stuff after that, so I didn't know right. that he was. Right. Okay. No, no, he thought he was a Lewis, yeah. That's why he came to town. Okay, very good. And, yeah. and and then we and then this is a story I I started getting into was when Will Jeffries came on the scene, oh. um, Joe, when Joe Breen came into the, yes. into the show and uh, Michelle Forbes came onto the right. show as uh, Sonny Carrera. That was the story I got into. And that oh was, well, that was a good one to start with. 
How did you luck? I mean, I think that was probably one of my favorite storylines for Reva and Josh. Well, you know what a what a fortunate thing to have such two such wonderful co-stars in Michelle and and Joe. You know, I mean, we the four of us had so much fun together. You know, Michelle uh, had a had a tough time when she started playing the evil uh, um, Solita uh, or Sunny. I can't even remember which one was evil. I, th- I guess it was Sunny that was evil. Solita was the one that Josh initially fell in love with. I think I don't even remember. But we had so we had so much fun. It was a gas. And now she's nominated for a Nighttime Emmy Award. Is she really? Yeah, she's nominated for. Uh, Supporting um, actress for that uh, oh that show on on TNT or whatever it was you know about the girl the, the the girl that was killed and um, disappearance or something I can't even remember what the name of the show is but yeah yeah good for her good for her you know, that was a very that was a very intense storyline the killing that's the name the killing. the killing okay yeah yeah I'm sorry go on. I said, that was a very... That hey, was let very me conduct this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> uh, it, was a very, it was a very intense storyline from all, from all cylinders. And, you know, like you said, you definitely had... You definitely put on your A-game. And I heard that... I read an old interview that Joe Green did that at the time you were doing pilot season. Uh-huh. And you didn't know if you were going to leave in 1988 right. or not. Right, yeah. But, you know, lucky for Guiding Light and for myself, ultimately, that nobody wanted me. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was destined to play Reva for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, then, so then what prompted you to leave the show in 1990? Well, I, I just, I, I, one day, I, first of all, they were starting to repeat story on me. Um, and I'd been through, like I said, I'd been through all the Lewis men, and I had to wait longer for little Bill to grow up. So um, I just, there, I, I started to, um, I'd come home at night, and I'd, you know, I'd start complaining about the job, and, you know, it just got to be work, and it wasn't fun anymore. And I always, and, and my husband was like, well, you know, I don't want to hear this when you come home at night. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't enjoy what you're doing anymore, then leave. And I really had to, I thought long and hard about it. And plus my children were young. And I actually got to know my TV children better than my own children there for a while because I was in the studio all the time. So um, I just reevaluated what was important to me at that point in my life. I played Reva for seven years already. And I thought, I need a break. So, you know, I went out to California. And and that's when I did Santa Barbara. And I did a lot of guest spots on different shows. And I worked I worked a lot, but I really missed, first of all, I missed New York, and second of all, I missed my family at Guiding Light. So when the earthquake, when the Northridge earthquake hit and the O.J. Simpson trial, you know, trial happened and the Rodney King um, beatings, the mudslides and the fires, every natural disaster you could imagine happened in the five years I was in Los Angeles. I was like, let's get out of here. <laughs> let's go back to New York. <laughs> so I, I, called, I called the people at uh, Procter & Gamble and I said, do you have any interest in um, resurrecting my character? And they were like, yeah, let's talk. So, you know, that happened. That happened, and you came back as a ghost first. Yeah. Well, that was when that was before I decided to sign on. I was back in New York doing a play, and uh, they brought me on as just, a, a, just like a tease. I think they were just trying to feel it. Jill Farron Phelps was the executive producer at the time, and she really didn't know me. 
Um, and it and Megan McCavish was the head writer at the time, and um, so I just don't think they they got it because that was that was a weird. I was like a, I said I was like a, I wasn't a ghost. I was more like a figment of Josh's Josh and and. Um, uh, Tiffany Lopez. Yeah, Josh and her and my daughter um, Mara, Mara of their imagination. You know, because I still was alive. I wasn't dead. It was mm-hmm. just bizarre, you know. So. Well, it was. There you are. It, it, it was bizarre, and then it headed into that Goshen storyline, which I hated. Which one? The Goshen storyline, the Amish one. Oh, yeah, the Goshen, yeah. I completely hated. <laughs> I mean, the only good thing that came out of that story was Amy Eklund as Abby. That was probably the best thing right. out of that storyline. Right. I would not change that for the world. Well, now wait, wait. The only other good thing about that storyline was seeing Ron Range in an Amish costume driving a horse-drawn buggy. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was worth my money too. I love that. <laughs> oh, then see now I forgot about that one. I remember when um he got hit with the horse. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. I had a ball. That was the first time I got to work with Ron and you know, we just we just hit it off immediately and became fast friends. Yeah, there, there was a question that came on Twitter. Like they were like asking me, "How much did you hate the Goshen storyline?" And <laughs> and wearing those Amish clothes. This came from uh, Twitter named Soap Fan Fiction. Right. Well, see, originally I wasn't supposed to be Amish. I wasn't supposed to be living with them. I was supposed to be living outside of the Amish community, and I was I, I was supposed to be like a healer of some sort, and. Um, when I got to wardrobe my first day, there was an Amish costume hanging there, and I was like, "Oh no, no, no! I'm not. I'm not Amish." And they were like, they, "The storylines change. You are Amish. You're you're Amish." And I was like, "No way! I'm not wearing that little bonnet." And and they won that battle. I gave up on that. You know, you have to pick your battles. Yeah. So you know, they they convinced me that it was all going to be okay. And, it wasn't, and but like I said, I I enjoyed. I, I was just so happy to be back at Guiding Light. I didn't get. I didn't know who, what you know what they had me do. Obviously. Yeah, yeah obviously. We're gonna yes. we're gonna get into the book in just a second, but I have to mention this because you know this was one of the greatest rivalries that we ever saw on the show. Mm-hmm. You acting opposite of Cynthia Watros on the show. Uh huh. Yeah. Annie Dutton. You know that was pretty much. The prime of my existence. Yeah. Watching that, and I, there's so many fans that talk about that rivalry. Um, oh my God, it was it was the greatest. And you know, um, let me. T- well, you finish your thought, and then I'll I'll tell you how this all happened too. Do you have anything my, else to say? Oh, my thought, yeah. My thought on that was that I, I honestly I have no idea what even prompted them to go ahead and make her into a vindictive bitch to go ahead and just create that rivalry, but I'm so glad they did because it was just like the most interesting thing but and it was just like the main the main thing of Guiding Light at the time was right. Annie Dutton and Reva Shane. I think that was the main focus yeah. on the show at the time. Right. Which didn't yes, bother it me. It right. didn't bother me at all. It was yeah. I mean, it would have if she wasn't a great actress. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but exactly. It, but it was just it was just so Cut throat. I mean, how, yeah. how did you take that when when this was all going down when that came? Out? It was it, it was you know Cynthia 
Cynthia would come in in the in the first thing in the morning um, with both both barrels loaded, you know, and I eat, I would ease into my day, and I would show up in the rehearsal hall, and she was ready to, you know, lay it down, you know. I'd be like, whoa, you need to sit this is the rehearsal hall, you know. So we, you know, from so from the moment I we arrived at the studio, even though Cynthia and I were adored each other and really had a love fest, there were there were times when when we, in order to get to where we had to get in the course of the day, we would our our subconscious mind would fabricate little fights, you know, and it was. It was subconscious. It wasn't anything that was meant, uh, you know, that was deliberate. It was just weird how in your mind, when, when the work is fast anyway, that, that yeah. your mind does do these weird things to you in order to get to where you have to get, you know, to where I had to stand there and be totally gullible to, to everything that I was supposed to believe that would come out of her mouth because, you know, we we would me and Robert Newman both would have to listen to the dialogue that she would have and and believe her, which was really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you said, thank God she was the type of actress that would just throw herself into it a hundred percent. You know, yeah. otherwise it would have been just dreadful. Um, but no, she we it's it's funny because the the play that I was doing I said that I was doing in New York when when they were um, toying with bringing me back to the show was Four Dogs and a Bone and Cynthia was the understudy to the women's parts in it and so she one of the actresses left and so she was the she had stepped into this role opposite me in this play and we became really fast friends there as well and she was a fan of Guiding Light she used to she used to talk in the in the dressing room she'd be like oh my god I wish I could just get an audition for Guiding Light I know that you know that I'd I'd be good on that show and I'd love to work with you and I'd love there's so many people that I'd love to work with on that show well cut to 3 weeks later and she's playing Annie Dutton. It's, it was just it was just bizarre. And I was back in L.A. And right. when they called me to come back under contract with the show, they were like, you know, and they told me who I would be working with. I was like, oh my God, she got it. her dream came true. And of course, she went on to win the Emmy. So, yeah, it was great. A lot of stories like that. There, the rest is history. That's how yep. we look at it. The rest yep. is history. So, That's so, right. So let's talk about this book that you got that's supposed to come tomorrow. Uh, yes. I'm just saying, you know, this is completely – I thought I knew there was to know about you, but apparently there's a lot more to Kim Zimmer than I definitely <laughs> don't know about. Well, you know what's, you know what's cute is that um, my, my, my daughter's been reading it, and my son just started reading it, and he and I were in the car yesterday going to a movie, and – um, he, I said, so, what do you think? And he said, I just, there's, like you said, he said, there's stuff that I'm reading, and the daughter said the same thing, there's stuff that, I, that I'm reading in the book that, you know, I remember hearing you tell us when we were young, but to read it, to see it on, on the page is, is really um, something special because there are things, you know, like how you and dad met and, and in the timeline of how my career went, you know, are things that you, as a kid, you don't really think about until you read it and you're older, so that that was really special too that they're that they're getting a, a a certain amount of joy out of reading the you know how everything fell fell into place. 
being in uh, being in daytime for for so long, so many years, and uh, I know this is a, this is the topic you get into in, into the book is that we're losing so many shows now. Yeah, you know, we lost we lost Guiding Light on that dreadful day, I, and that I thought that was the worst April Fool's prank I've ever seen in my life. Well, um, you and everybody else, we all sat around there saying, "When is somebody going to say April Fool's?" Seriously, I mean, it was just yeah. I mean, it was a gray, rainy, awful day. You know, it was it was not to be believed. Yeah, I come home from work, and that's the first thing I see on my Yahoo homepage was this. And I was like, all right, where's the punchline? You know, yeah. where, where's yeah. the punchline? I guess they explained, it, they explained it away by saying that was the last. They, they kept hoping that we'd get a, a reprise, you know, or a, whatever you call it, and um, that things would change. And I guess April Fool's, that was that April 1st was the last day they could give notification. Mm. So, hello. <laughs> yeah. That's still a crock of bullshit. Yeah. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's my that's my 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 opinion. I'm sticking to it. You know, we we lost that show. We lost Thousand World Turns a year later. We're now losing yep. all my children. One life to live to television. Yep. Even though they've been picked up online, we're still losing it from television. Right. Right. And, and why why do you think that is that we're losing all these shows? Like what what is well, I mean, I, I, I think what the, what they, you know, what they, the the great and powerful they attribute it to is um, the fact that they're they're just too expensive to produce now. And when you have the amount of of channels that people can can surf now, I mean, how many? Eight hundred and fifty, you know, different different ca- between cable and network and um, premium channels. I mean, you've got. You've got all of these choices that you can make, and so people record the soaps. And I think the sponsors be, are, have become aware that you know people aren't watching their commercials because they're recording them. They're watching them at night and fast forwarding through all the commercials. So the the, the cost for commercial airtime went down. They weren't willing to pay the amount of money they used to pay. I mean, there's so many things. There's 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 so many reasons. But you know what? Um, I think about. The inter, you know daytime going to the internet kind of like a parallel to when they they left radio and went to this thing called television. You know, mm-hmm. soap operas were the first. That was the the first um, major networking that we had on on television when it started. You know, along with a Howdy Doody show and Captain Kangaroo and you know. Um, so I I it's it is the future and if daytime's going to be the groundbreaker to go going to the web the internet then you know I'm all for it. I mean of course uh people won't be making the the cushy money, the cushy deals that they're making now in network, but you know every, every good thing comes to an end and and you have to adjust and adapt and you know if if you're into what you're doing and you want to continue acting then you then you you have to change with the with the tide. Did I use enough adages in that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, you brought up a good point because it, it kind of segued into my next question: is how did you feel when Guiding Light changed its format when you did the last year and a half of the show? I hated it. Oh, I mean, you, you haven't read the book yet, but of course, that's. I mean, that's. There's a lot of stuff in the book about you know, that ties in, you know, a lot of stuff that happened with me, anger issues and, and 
a, a lot of a lot of ugliness that I personally went through because I was a fan of the show. I watched the show. And when it started turning into a disaster the last year and a half, last two years, I took it as a, as a personal uh, assault. And um, I had a really hard time dealing with that. Um, and I, I didn't, you know, I, I, it, we kind of, Ellen Wheeler was trying to reinvent the wheel. You know, and I, I grew up saying, don't fix what ain't broken. You right. know, but, but she was being forced to to do the show on a on a on a a very very diminished budget and that was the way she chose to do it and um I do think that I mean I'm I'm not I'm not comparing the two because it's a totally different thing but if anyone can move a soap opera from network to the internet I have great faith in Frank Valentini that it will be a great success because the man is so friggin smart and knows how to get things done, knows how to keep the look of his show. That was the problem with Guiding Light was it just turned to shit, you know, really. It just, it was, it was, our, we'd be doing love scenes out in 20 degree below zero temperatures and people's lips were purple and, you know, their eyelashes were freezing together. And I mean, it was just, yeah. <laughs> it was just awful. You know, or it was that, and then it was 100 degree temperatures. Trying to keep makeup on your face, it, you know, just it was. It just all happened too fast. We weren't prepared for it, and um, you know, as you know, the sound was bad. The 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 shots were bad. I mean, I think towards the end we started we started getting it down. If we'd had another year, I think I think Ellen Wheeler would have been the big hero, you know, um, but. That didn't happen. So, so it's just, it's just sort of it. Basically, it just went in without any, without any yeah. thoughts at all. They just rushed into it just right off the bat without just sitting. Well, I mean, they they spent a great deal of money altering the the studio to make to make the the when we were at the studio to to make those sets work with these handheld cameras. Um, they they made box sets. They boxed in all the sets. So. Talk about hot. I mean, there was no, for a while we were working no emergency escape routes. You know, if there had been a fire, it would have been just a disaster. Um, so it, there were there were a lot of a lot of problems. Now, they did spend a fortune adapting these sets, and it was, the design was brilliant. I mean, they did, they had sets on top of sets. Um, they had ups, some of the sets had upstairs and downstairs with winding staircases, which was unheard of. I mean, there it it could have worked had we had had more time and more money. You know, not a lot of money, but a little more money would have been mm-hmm. nice. You know, I think with time it it could have it could have worked. You know. Yeah. Is but, this is this when? I, I, you mentioned this too. We, if you'd like to mention this, we can we can talk about this. If not, you can tell me to shut up. But <laughs> but is this is this around the time? Because I know you also talk about in the book. You go into and, and you you about struggles with alcoholism apparently. Yeah, yeah not alcoholism, just with with, with uh, having wine to not yeah with alcohol. Um, yeah, I'm, it's it was bad, and I. Um, one evening I went out with a girlfriend and, and you know, I we shared a couple bottles of wine over six hours and it was enough that I got pulled over and I, I ended up in jail with a DUI. Um, and that was, that that was you know, like I had to do a lot of AA classes and everything and that's, they say you can't help yourself until you hit bottom. 
spending the night in jail was bottom for me. Um, the AA uh, meetings certainly proved to me that I was not an alcoholic. I mean, I I don't crave alcohol. I don't wake up in the morning and can't wait for my first drink. I mean, that's that's not the case. Right. I like wine with dinner. Um, I don't really drink a lot. I'll have a, an occasional margarita. I'm not an alcoholic, but I I did. I I would keep wine in my refrigerator. Ask a lot of people at the studio. And if I was having a day that I thought I was going to erupt and, and chew somebody's head off, I would have a glass of wine to calm my nerves. Uh-huh. Um, and it just it just made it easier for me. But it but I had I, it, more so than the drinking. I was angry. I was really angry that, um, like I said, I took it as a, a personal insult that what they were doing to my show. You know, it wasn't my show, but I felt like it was. Damn it. Right. And right. I just, it was a, you know, it was, I was, it was like, oh, it was just all, it was slow death. I mean, that's what I say in the book too. That, um, in my opinion, it, they it should, it, the two years that we struggled never should have happened. You know, I wish that we had been able to go off with our when the when the show was in its heyday and, you know, ended it on a high rather than the embarrassment that the last two years provided everybody with. Yeah. And this is a, this is a lot of a lot of people that said. I mean, granted, as we as you said earlier, you know, towards the end, it looked like it was finally trying to reach that point. Yeah, the, the show, sound got the, better. Yeah, I mean, everything was starting to. It would have been another. It would have taken another year, you know, yeah. to fine tune it. But you know, they didn't give us that opportunity. So no, you know. So how and then you you got back onto one line to live as Echo that that kind of was like I sat there and I read that I was like huh <laughs> well that happened on a on a bus going to the daytime Emmy Awards on a shuttle bus to go to pick up a rental car um, Frank Valentini was on the shuttle bus with me and we were just kidding around I was like you know guiding lights off the air and and you know I what I, I play the character on your show and he said. I know. He said, I've, I've been involved with this show forever. I know the history. I know every single thing that's ever happened to this show. He said, <laughs> the Contessa Echo de Savoy. I said, yeah, it's about time you brought her back, don't you think? And he laughed. You know, he laughed hysterically. And a month later, his assistant Todd called and said, I have Frank Valentini on the line for you. And I was like, oh, my God. So I picked up the phone. He said, I would love for you to come in and um, – Let's talk about you coming back, you know. And he was honest with, with the fact that it's, they certainly couldn't pay me what I was being paid at One Life to Live. You know, things had, everybody's taking pay cuts. And, and I was aware of that, but I was just ready to work on a soap again, and I missed yeah. the work. So I was more than happy to resurrect the character, and he gave me that opportunity. So, And plus, it, ma- it, it made my book come full circle. You know, it, it really, it was a perfect ending to the book that I returned to where it all began, you know. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, it's, it's very tough to even think about the fact that, you know, if if we didn't have these subs resurrected to the online community, it, 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 it's basically, in my mind, it's like you have so many of these actors and actresses who've been in the business for so mm-hmm. long, like yourself, to mm-hmm. now be out of work. Right, and they probably won't be able to go anywhere else because most networks right. don't look at those in that right. age bracket. Right. And I, no, I, I mean, and that's absolutely 
track. And the, uh, and the other thing is that, you know, like myself, I'm still not old enough to, to collect my pension without getting, you know, like slammed. So, you know, we're, there's a lot of us that are in that, that fine line area where we're, we're, we're too young to collect our pensions and too old to get another job. <laughs> so, so, so what am I doing? I'm, I'm back to the first, my very first love, which is theater. I'm, I'm now able to have all the time in the world to hop around the country and, and do theater, which is what I've been doing and loving every minute of it. I'm playing some great ladies, you know, and, and things that I wouldn't have had the time to do before. Um, so that's that's where I'm at. That's great. I mean, hey, you got you love what you do. Yep. You got to find some way to figure out how to do what you love to do. And right, I'm I'm on I'm on my way. And there's a lot Go of ahead. people that are going into theater, you know, from these and stuff. You know, Michael Park doing theater now. Yes, tons. And uh, Colleen Zank is working on her one-woman show. Um, you know, there's there's uh, uh, who else was I just? Well, there's you know there's a lot of us. Um, I'm I'm getting ready to go play Norma Desmond in Sunset Boulevard in Michigan. Wow. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. Here's my here's my question to you that I, I'm sure would probably be the best question to ask someone like you. Do you think because we always have to ask this all the time, do you feel that soaps are the dying breed, that everybody says it is? You know, we hear differences of opinion that the soaps aren't dying. They just need to be reinvented. Uh, how? How are you going to reinvent? Let me tell you something. Soap, daytime soap operas are exactly what you're seeing on nighttime television. Grey's Anatomy is a soap opera. Private Practice is a soap opera. They're all, every nighttime show is a freaking soap opera. Mm-hmm. We just aired, and the only difference is that they take eight days to shoot one episode. So there are no, you know, there, it's, it's clean, it's neat, it's whatever, and they've got tons of money. Um, we, shot, we shot one an hour in one day, you know, so it's all soap opera. Um, right. the, only, the only problem is that we, they, they can't afford it in the daytime anymore to produce these one-hour serials. There's there's just no money to do it. Um, it's it's not a it's not a dying breed. I mean, the concept of soap opera will will be around forever, just not in daytime. Hmm. You know. So as far as the, as far as daytime soaps, if it means moving them to the internet, then you know that's that's the future. And if if people can't afford to move with it, as far as actors or whatever, then you know then then that's their option. You know, but I think with the way they're going to produce these shows on the Internet, it's it's going to be great because you'll be able to, you know, who knows how they're going to do it. But if I were doing it, I would, I would work it so that, you know, um, an actor could come in one day and shoot everything they needed to shoot for the week's worth of shows. You know, right. so that they could leave and go and do a night, you know, go and do nighttime as well. You know, because it'll be on the on the net, you don't have that stigma of, oh, that's that girl that plays, you know, Reva on Guiding Light. How can anybody possibly believe that she's a doctor, you know, on Grey's Anatomy? Oh, see, that's so, what I hate that. And, 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 yeah, and, and I hear that all the time. I hate that. It's, yeah. You know, it's like, and then there's actors who started out on soaps that, that give credit to the fact that they were on soaps. Uh, 
you know, they still do right. to this day. And, you know, they, you have those that pretty much, like, piss on soaps with the fact that they spun out and like, soaps, what the hell is that? Right. Uh, I, I hate that stigma that they have, that, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, they were on a soap opera. We can't have them on primetime because they, right. they probably can't act. They can't uh, act. <laughs> well, that, and you know, when 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 you do a nighttime show, you get these little pages in your trailer or your dressing room or whatever, and you're lucky if you're doing six pages of dialogue a day. We do eighty, you know, eighty-five, ninety pages. I mean, one one episode for me would be, you know, on Guiding Light could be as many as thirty-five to forty pages a day. Mm-hmm. You know, so acting. Those people on nighttime, they know. They, they're, uh, all they have to do is say six pages, you know, six little, they, they may have six lines in one day. You know, I'm, I mean, they're good actors, too. I'm not saying that they're not good, but, you know, to say that, that we can act, that we're soap opera actors, all those people on nighttime are soap opera actors, too. I hate to break it to them. But there you are. <laughs> I don't hate to break it to them. I would love to. <laughs> Let's not split hairs. I'd love to break it to them. But, you know, they don't want to associate right, that right. of genre. And, again, that that is a stigma that definitely needs to go away. Right. But, you know, that, right. that's, that's an opinion of mine that will always stay with me. Yeah. But, you know, what can I say? It is what I it know. is. It is what it is. You know, everything everything changes, and and hopefully this the whole idea of Prospect Park, and um, I, I'm hoping that it's not just a big you know tease. I'm I'm hoping that it is indeed happening, and that they 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 will stick to their word about producing these shows um, in a way that it won't totally be a debacle and and you know awful and and just. Hiring people that that don't, that can't act and filling the shows with you know teenagers and you know I just I I I hope that's not going to be the case. We just we're just going to have to wait and see. But Would like I said, I think you yeah oh god yeah if if he if he wants me to you know come in and do some sp- some spots I, I would be more than happy to. Like I said, if if they can swing it so that actors can do these web series and also be available to do other stuff, then you know, that would be a dream. That would be great. Wonderful. Hopefully hopefully it works out for the best of Prospect Park. We we support them with the fact that they've taken an interest in these two shows. Right. Um, right. Um, so I'm, I'm happy about that. So right now all we got to do is wait and see what happens. Cross yep. your fingers. Cross your fingers. Yep. And in the meantime, go to Amazon.com. Get Ken Zimmer's book. I'm just saying. Pre-order it. Yes. Or BarnesandNoble.com, too. Or come to, I've got several book signings in New Jersey and one out in Lake Grove, Long Island. So, you know, for the next next week, or this week, oh, my God, it's this week already. Um, every day this week except Friday, I'm at, I'm, you know, if you go to KimZimmer.net, you can see where I'm going to be. Uh, so come and see me. Pittsburgh, I'll be in Pittsburgh on the 9th. I'll be in Grand Rapids, Michigan on the 29th. So just, uh, it's all up on my site. Definitely gonna have to take a look at that. I need to. I need to meet the Zimmer. I have to. <laughs> that has to happen. I'm just saying. Okay, baby. I'm just saying. I am just saying. <laughs> See how that works into the conversation? I love it. <laughs> well, you've been a dream, and it's been a great time talking to you. I had so much fun talking to you. Thank you so much. You bet, Mabel. Take care. You too.
Can't get enough of Buzzworthy Radio. Log on now to www.buzzworthyradio.net to get the latest news on upcoming guests, past shows, and videos of all your favorite stars. Keep getting the latest buzz with Buzzworthy. Hey, this is Novell J. Lee, and I'm just letting you know that you can find every single episode of Buzzworthy Radio on our website at www.buzzworthyradio.net, as well as blogtalkradio.com slash buzzworthyradio. I'm Novell J. Lee. You make sure you get the latest buzz with Buzzworthy. We'll see you guys on Wednesday, where we have uh, Samantha W. from NBC's reality series, The Love in the Wild. And then come back and join us at 8 p.m. that same day. That's right, having two shows in one day. How about that? I'm going to be joined by the wonderful and talented people that are returning to Days of Our Lives, Deidre Hall and Drake Hogeston, who are returning to the show after a two-and-a-half-year hiatus as Dr. Marlena Evans and John Black. It's going to be a great show. I'm excited to talk to those two. I hope you'll be there to listen to the show. But for now, I am signing off. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. Be safe. Be easy this week. Have fun. Take care.